Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Thrive Infertility Podcast. This is your host, Kathy Quillett, owner of Tennessee Reproductive Therapy. Thanks for coming back. I just love, as I say every time, this little corner of the world where I just get to kind of invest in your week a little bit, hopefully offer some encouragement and maybe, I mean, the last couple of times, let's be honest, I've, I've given some homework assignments to podcasts usually do that. I don't know, but I hope that it's been encouraging to you and something that can just help you thrive in the middle of your journey and live well while you're waiting for baby today. Y'all I have a treat for you, a sweet gal here from the Nashville area. Her name is Layton and Layton, and I get the privilege of working together. Y'all, she's so amazing. And I'm super glad that she's on my team and you will be glad that she's joining us here today. Layton, thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. Of course. Y'all, I was introduced just randomly to Layton maybe last year. Um, and you were kind of concluding your story that we're going to talk about today mm-hmm. in a really kind of triumphant way. Your story has ended really well, um, but not without its bumps and bruises like most people who come on to this podcast. So friends, today, what we want to talk to you about is pregnancy after loss and the anxiety that lives there. And Layton loves the population of women going through kind of reproductive and maternal mental health struggles. But the soft spot is for you that lives there, Layton, correct me if I'm wrong, is because this story is really personal and intimate with you. Absolutely. It's, you know, the, the miscarriages or losses in my past were one season, but I think the longest season to me felt like being pregnant forever and ever and ever right. and living with that anxiety before, before baby arrived. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So trigger warning, I should say today, we are going to talk about pregnancy loss. And I know some of you that are listening to this are just like, I just want to be pregnant. And so there's a lot of grief and woundedness and loneliness that comes into that. Um, today, what we're talking about is Layton's personal story with miscarriage, but also her subsequent pregnancy and the birth of her child. And so if that feels like a lot for you today, I give you permission and have no hard feelings. If you go ahead and postpone this podcast to another day. Um, but what I want us to take a really honest look at today is the fact that miscarriage really ruins and sabotages the purity of a pregnancy. I had a gal say to me once after in a pregnancy, after her loss, I said, Oh my gosh, you're having a baby. And she said, no, I'm pregnant today mm-hmm. because that's as much as you can be in that space. And so Layton, I guess, give us a bigger view of who you are personally and professionally. And then if you don't mind, just kind of tell us your story of loss and pregnancy after loss. Absolutely. I am a mental health professional. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, just like Kathy. And, that's and she's why- a rock star. Well, thanks. That's why I get to work at Tennessee Reproductive Therapy and, um, you know, walk through the stories and the journeys with some of the mamas or the mamas to be that are walking through seasons of infertility and loss. And I just really have a heart for that after having personal experience with, with my own losses. So mm-hmm. I guess others, other things about me. I'm more than a marriage and family therapist. I'm a wife. I have a husband. I'm a mom. I have a daughter. Um, I 
like to cook for fun. I enjoy theater. I don't know. I'm a human too. There's things about me that are not just a therapist. And I think that's important to know because I think that there's any listeners who do see you or I for therapy. I think that sometimes, you know, with the therapeutic relationship, there's not that reciprocal disclosure and it's hard sometimes to remember therapist is a person too. So here's a little look behind the curtain, but. And I think we lose so much of also who we are as moms, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That becomes so much of our priority, especially when there are any other, any reproductive complications. Yeah. And I think that's just such a, an important reminder. I work with moms all the time who are like, I don't even know what I do for fun anymore, especially coming out of a global pandemic. And there are things about you that you enjoy. And I think that's super important to remember. Yes. Yes, I totally agree. As I sit here in a sweatshirt that says mama on it. Love it. <laughs> I can't see it, but I, I think that there's so much joy that is found in your identity as a mom after it's something that you've had to work so hard to, yeah. to get to, but it's important to have all those other parts of yourself that still totally. exist and that you need to keep alive. Totally. I love that. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. So that's a little of who I am. Then you okay. asked about, you know, your miscarriage story. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, I, I, I guess going back to like my relationship with my husband, we got married during the pandemic early on in the pandemic. Um, we were like, we're not letting this stop our plans. So we got married a few months later. We're like, okay, we're having a baby. And it was super exciting. Um, we had to delay a honeymoon. Well, didn't have to, but with COVID, we're like, oh, you know, we'll be out of this by the fall, which of course, like t- fall 2020, yeah. which of course was so naive. Um, but we had scheduled to go and found out we were pregnant right before we're like leaving the country on our honeymoon. So mm-hmm. I'm like calling my OB, freaking out, like, is it okay for me to leave the country? And they're like, yes, you know, here are all the rules you need to follow, which she didn't give me many. She was basically saying, it's great for you to take a vacation, you know, like keeping Mm. low stress during pregnancy is really healthy for your pregnancy, you know, go and relax and enjoy and don't drink and don't get in the hot tub. And, you know, so I was so careful when I was there following all of the rules. We were at this nice all-inclusive resort and I didn't have to drop alcohol and I didn't get any hot tubs or saunas. And I, um, you know, was looking up on this little pregnancy tracking app the whole time. Like, is this seafood <laughs> can pregnant women eat this type of seafood? Yeah, you know? sure, like, sure. All, all the rules we got back and Thanksgiving was right around the corner. And on Thanksgiving day, we started miscarrying and mm. ended up in the ER and, uh, you know, got to leave with all the fun paperwork from the hospital that says threatened abortion and all the fun things that are really terrible to, oh. to see and hear. And then, you know, proceeded to miscarry. Um, mm after being discharged from the hospital, um, that terminology is even so shocking. Yeah, it is. There's so many words that need to change in the, in the realm of, I remember getting my lab paperwork and it said spontaneous abortion. And I was like, look, I did not wake up this morning thinking I was going like, "Ah, I'm just going to have an abortion today. Like we have to do better. Yeah. I totally agree. I totally agree. And I know there's a whole movement behind trying to get medical care to change language around that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't know what it's going to take. They didn't ask me my opinion. Yeah. Men getting out of the way, maybe. Yeah, maybe, maybe that's it. But I, um, 
you know, had that experience and had the fun follow-ups where you have to go back to your doctor a million times to get blood work done to make sure your HCG returns to zero. And that's Mm -hmm. traumatic every time you walk into the OB's office and there's, you know, pregnant women around and you're like, I'm just here for blood work to make sure that like my loss has passed. So there was that. And the doctor told us, you know, wait a cycle and you can try again. We ended up getting pregnant the next cycle, having another miscarriage. And of course the doctor had been so encouraging and saying, you know, like one in four pregnancies ends in miscarriage, but you know, one in 100 have two miscarriages in a row. And I'm like, awesome. I'm that statistic. I'm the one in 100 that's like had multiple losses now. Um, and it was, it was really discouraging. It was really hard. And I, you know, maybe had in my stages of grief had some denial there where I was like, I don't want this to be true. I don't want this to be happening. I was like, I'm not going back. Like it had been really traumatic for me. I think going back to get blood work done each time to make sure my HCG had returned to zero. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to, I'm going to risk it. I'm going to just say that my HCG is returned to zero on its own. And I didn't go back to the doctor, even though they asked me to for blood work after my second loss. Rebel. Um, I need I to watch like, out for you. I know. I know. I was like, I, I was like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to go back and get blood work. And, you know, um, so I knew the spiel by that point in time, you know, I wasn't naive to loss anymore. I was like, okay, you're supposed to wait a cycle and try again. Um, we got pregnant again and we, um, I, at that point had decided to switch OBs. And I actually think this is a really powerful part of my story is something that I, advocate for, for other women too, is how to, how to be your own medical advocate and how Mm. to make sure that you find a doctor that is for you and on your team is going to do what it takes, you know? And I, I know that doctors can't stop a body from, you know, miscarrying Mm -hmm. or if, if there is something that is wrong with, uh, with an embryo and it's not going to turn into a healthy baby, that's, that's what results in a miscarriage. Right. But I do think that there are interventions and things that doctors can do whenever they're really, really plugged in really on your team. Um, even if it's just preventative measures on the front end saying, Hey, you need to be taking more of this vitamin, or you need to, you know, be on this blood thinner or whatever this is depending on someone's own medical circumstances. But after both of my losses, I switched doctors. I had only had like one of those, um, not a prenatal, what is it called? Preconception consultation, um, with this doctor. I had gone in and I loved this doctor. I see Dr. Mm. Craig Craig Martin for anyone who's local here. He's at, um, Heritage Women's Center in Franklin and he is amazing. Um, the first, appointment I had with him. He made me feel so comfortable. He sat down with, you know, nobody can go to appointments except for during COVID at the time, nobody could go except for me. So I was at this appointment by myself, nervous, sitting here in front of this new doctor telling him about my losses. And he wanted to know who I was as a person, kind of just what we were talking about, you know, mm. outside of like, what is your career or you yeah. a mom, you know, he was like, what do you do for fun? You know, how do you spend time? Tell me about your home life. Tell me about your pets and your husband. And what does he do? And he wasn't there, but he was asking all these questions, like trying mm. to get to know us as a couple. And I think that it was, it just really made me feel like, okay, he had like this clipboard that he was like taking notes, writing things down and taking the time. And I don't think that that happens very often with you were more than a patient to him. You were a woman. And I don't hear that from a lot of people. I know. 
I know. So there was just something that just sparked. And actually I was wearing, so a few years back, I had been asked to be like a guest speaker at a friend's, um, she runs like a youth group and they had like a girl's retreat and their theme was Imago Day, which in Latin stands for image of God. So I'm wearing this t-shirt whenever I go to my doctor's appointment from this Imago Day retreat. And he happened to study Latin in school as probably a lot of doctors have. And yeah, sure. God. And so he starts diving into this whole, like his whole philosophy behind being a doctor and why he believes people are made in the image of God and how it's such a rewarding work to him to be able to work, you know, reproduction and being able to see babies in the womb being made in the image of God, you know? And I was like, this is my dude, this is my guy. (laughs) Like he's going to be my doctor and we're going to get through this together. And all I'd had was that preconception visit. And a few weeks later, I'm calling and saying, Hey, I need, I need to come in for blood work or whatever it is that are, that are the first steps. And I think that I'd asked him at that preconception visit, you know, what's the earliest that I can come in? You know, I don't want to wait till like that eight week ultrasound. Like I haven't made it that far along, you know, both my losses were first trimester losses. So I was like, I want to come in as soon as possible. If there's anything that we can, you know, anything that you can do to salvage it, because I think that whenever you've had losses, you just have that feeling of desperation that like, okay, whenever I get that positive pregnancy test, I need to do all the, all the things right. Um, not that again, not that there is sometimes much that you can do if, if it isn't a healthy embryo, that's going to develop into a healthy baby. But I was very eager to, to be seen and to have medical care. And, um, the doctor had said, you can come in and we can get HCG levels and make sure that they're rising Mm. and you can come in and get progesterone tested and make sure that it's rising. Great. And so I did those things. I I back up to, I was already on progesterone supplementation, like post ovulation. So that is something that I did do or intervene with. I was actually working outside of that doctor with like a women's health nurse practitioner on the side. And she had um, recommended going ahead and starting progesterone suppositories. Mm -hmm. So we did that. And she also recommended, um, baby aspirin because I had some blood work done that showed, again, everyone has their own unique medical circumstances. Mm -hmm. So of course, depend on your doctor to help you define what would be beneficial in your own journey. But I did have some like blood clotting factors, like an MTHFR variant and Mm -hmm. some other, um, lesser known blood disorders, I guess that's Mm -hmm. what you can call them. Um, that they were like, you don't have any of the big ones, you know, you don't have APS or, um, factor Mm -hmm. five or anything, but you do need to probably be on something that will help with blood clotting. And so I was on baby aspirin for the entire pregnancy too. Um, So I had my baby aspirin. I had my progesterone. I went in, got my levels checked. My HCG was rising. My progesterone was rising. Things were seeming encouraging. Um, he did an ultrasound for me the very first day I went in. And I like, was like one of those people who like didn't wait for the missed period was like testing for a pregnancy test. Like as soon as I could possibly get one. And I think that like the earliest that I'd ever had a positive pregnancy test was like seven days past ovulation. I was wow. like, okay. I call the doctor, I go, I go in and he takes this ultrasound and it was the tiniest little thing that he, he was telling me everything, you know, I don't ever know what they're looking at on ultrasounds. He was telling me everything. And I was like, here's where your baby's going to develop. And that's basically all that they can see. Cause I went in and got this ultrasound at like four weeks pregnant. Um, but it was, it was something of mine to keep because when I'd been to the ER and had the ultrasounds the first time, they didn't print out anything. They didn't give me an ultrasound photo. And the second mm-hmm. loss, I didn't have an ultrasound photo from. And so this was the only time that he had like printed a photo and 
I can't tell you how much that meant to me because it was hope in that moment for me that like this little picture of nothing that he was like, this Mm -hmm. is where your baby is developing. Like this is the gestational sack. And I was like, awesome. This is so cool. This is my very first ultrasound photo that I get to keep. That's mine to remember because there's sometimes with grief and loss, there's not anything that you have to hold on to, you know, like there's, okay, here's the picture that I took of the stick that I peed on that was positive. And that's what I have to remember with those early losses, you know? So I had this ultrasound photo that was mine. And, um, I think that again, each milestone that you achieve in, in your pregnancy after loss is comforting. Nothing takes away that anxiety entirely, but it was like, okay, I've got an ultrasound this time. Um, and then you go back and you have the appointment where there, you see a heartbeat and if you haven't heard a heartbeat before, it's so comforting to get to that point. And then you get to the point that you're, you know, out of the woods, out of the first trimester. And that's so comforting. And again, and again, and again, you meet these milestones, but I don't know that that fear ever really goes away until you're holding baby in your arms. Mm -hmm. Um, so you said your HCG's rising and everything's looking good, but also fear and anxiety yes. is rising. Talk yes. to me about like everybody around a, a newly pregnant person is like, yay, we like you're having a baby. Uh, like I said, I tripped up on once, but being in the shoes of somebody who's pregnant after a loss, it's harder to get to the place of yay, we I'm having a baby. So talk about how anxiety crept into hope and joy. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that, I think you mentioned it with the, with the patient that you were talking to who was like, no, I'm pregnant today. That was like a constant affirmation. I had just, I had to tell myself, you know, today I'm pregnant, um, to Mm -hmm. be able to stay present. And I know that that's so true with, um, with clients that I work with, I always talk about how, you know, if we ruminate on things from the past or things that have happened or mistakes or, you know, we're looking backwards in our timeline and that's where we're living in our mind. You know, yeah. that's where that's when people become depressed, you know, it's yeah. like this, this look towards the, the back and looking towards the future of like, what if this happens? What if that happens? What if, what if, what if there's this future oriented oriented thinking that's just full of anxiety for us. And the only place that we have peace between the depression of the past and the anxiety of the future is in the present. And so I think that staying present and telling myself, okay, Mm -hmm. today I am pregnant was a constant battle that I was having to face because it was so easy to be like, okay, well, what if the next ultrasound, like there's not a heartbeat again, or what if the, Mm -hmm. you know, what if, what if I start bleeding again, you know, and I know uh, every pregnant after loss woman that I've talked about talks about that fear that, okay, like every time you go to the bathroom, you're like wiping and checking, like, is there going to be blood? Because I think that that's the reality that you just have to, and I know it's kind of graphic, but you just have to kind of put, put yourself on guard for, because if it's happened before, I think that the analogy of, you know, if there's a rustle in the bushes and it could be a lion or it could be a bunny and it's been a lion before, you know, it's been mm. something scary and dangerous. Like, why would I ever think, oh, it's just going to be a bunny this time. But I will say I had lots of bunny. There was lots of rustles in the bushes throughout my pregnancy journey that ended up being a bunny. You know, they didn't end up being scary, but there were enough to, to get my heart rate up or to me, you know, so triggering experiences like I did have to go to a high risk doctor throughout my pregnancy because of the history of losses and some of the blood clotting factors that I had going on. So I did have pretty regular ultrasounds. And I know that's something that not every woman is afforded the luxury of, I guess. Um, If you want to look at it as a luxury, I think there were pros and cons to having that many, (laughs) that many Mm -hmm. scans, but you know, um, the ultrasound techs would, or the doctor after they 
had after the stenographer would show them the ultrasound, they would say, Oh, there is, you know, a subchronic hematoma here. And mm. I'm like, oh my gosh, what is that? And then you go home and Google all these things. And um, they were like, you know, a lot of times that they they do uh like heal themselves or like they do kind of disappear on their own, and it's a really common thing. And you know, no, no amount of reassurance is gonna make me think that this was not gonna be something terrible or sure. bad. And then I would go back the next ultrasound and they'd be like, oh, it's totally gone. Like it's healed itself. I'm like, oh gosh, thank God. But that, you know, is the wrestle in the bushes and then it's the bunny. And it wasn't that scary or wasn't that bad, but yeah. there was something that was wrong with my baby for, with the pregnancy for a second, you know, and, um, yeah. with the scans, um, the doctor had kind of explained even just like NIPT testing, which I think is pretty common right around like 10 weeks. I think somewhere in the realm of like 10 to 13 weeks, you're able to do that blood test. And it's just kind of a screener, you know, it's supposed to be 99% accuracy for like saying that you don't have these, um, trisomies, chromosomal abnormalities, chromosomal abnormalities. Thank you. Yeah. Um, And the doctor had said, you know, you can, you can get this screening if you, if there is a possibility that you wouldn't want to move forward with the pregnancy, but if you, that's how he worded it. He was like, but if you're going to move forward with the pregnancy, no matter what, like he was like, I don't think it's necessary. And we're like, oh yeah, we're moving forward no matter what. So we opted not to do it at an ultrasound later on. They told us, oh, there is a small bright spot on your baby's heart. And we do have to tell you that there's, you know, uh, mm. correlation, a correlation of, tiny bright spots on the heart with Down syndrome and children. And so we're like, man, well, we didn't do that testing. So then we went back later on in the pregnancy and did the NIPT testing. And then, you know, they said, well, there is something that we're seeing with the baby's brain. And, you know, they, so because we'd had so many scans, they kept saying, there's something that we're keeping an eye on, where there's something that we're keeping an eye on. Um, your baby has too much urine in their kidneys. I'm like, what is, what is this? There's always something wrong. And then they were like, okay. And it went away the next scan. And so I think that there were just so many moments that it was like, okay, here's a Russell, here's a Russell. And they all ended up being bunnies, thankfully, but like, it just Mm -hmm. gets your heart rate up, you know? And you're like, okay, I think it's a lion this time. Like, it's going to be bad. Like, you're going to prepare myself for the worst. That's Um, good language to put around it. Yeah. I think we assign the word trauma to things. like, especially a pregnancy loss or really difficult, um, time trying to conceive and a pregnancy loss is absolutely a trauma. I mean, think of in your story, if we, if we think it's a car accident, right? Like you had had two car accidents and then you get in the car for the third time. And you're like, well, I really hope I get to Lowe's this time without getting in a car accident again. Yeah. And you're hypervigilant and you're looking like, I, I was going to date myself and say like the Nintendo game from the eighties, but we won't go there because <laughs> I think maybe not a lot of people listening played Paperboy. but you're constantly hypervigilant watching for the other shoe to drop. Yeah. Like absolutely. if something's bad so many times, why am I going to go into the ultrasound room and have something good? If I've lost, um, so many pregnancies, mm-hmm. why is this one? Why is this one going to be any different? Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly where your mind is at whenever you're mm-hmm. in those shoes or when that you're in that situation. There are some things that helped me throughout the journey. Um, I didn't, we didn't tell people for a while. And I think that was the right choice for us. Again, there's like um, so many like unspoken rules about you're not supposed to share about a pregnancy till you hit the 
12 week mark or like past the first trimester. And if, if it's more healing in someone in their journey, just to be open about it from the time that they get that positive pregnancy test, like go, like go for it. Good for them. I totally support that. I don't think that there should be like a, like a one size fits all. This is when you're supposed to announce a pregnancy, but we waited until after our anatomy scan at 20 wow. weeks to share publicly. We had told our families, I think that, um, right when we got out of the first trimester was mother's day. And so we told my mother-in-law for mother's day that she was going to be a grandma. So that was a special moment for her. Um, and I think that my family, I don't see them very often, but they had come to visit maybe a week or two before mother's day. And so we were able to share with them then, but really our families were the only people that knew until we got to, um, we got to that, 20 week mark and had an anatomy scan that was looking good. And she was looking like a healthy baby. And Mm. uh, we decided to share then. Um, And so that was, I think, good for me just to kind of guard my heart because I didn't want people asking lots of questions or for whatever reason, maybe that was a, maybe that was something that protected me. Maybe it was something that was a little bit of anxiety driven or combo of both. But um, I think that was a really good move for me at the time. I did have people that I could talk to about it. And this was something that was super beneficial for me. And one of the reasons that I'm really um, just excited to have clients in the pregnancy after a loss population, because it was so helpful for me to have space to talk about it. But I was a part of a support group throughout my pregnancy, other women who had Mm. also had miscarriages and were also pregnant. And so we all happened and it's so coincidental. This was a group that was, um, shout out to her, the miscarriage doula. If anyone's on Instagram and you look up the miscarriage doula, she shares a lot of, um, really great resources pertaining to loss. Um, and I think she actually has a team of doulas now that, um, Mm -hmm. that's kind of what their MO is, is they just kind of work with people grieving loss and, and being pregnant again after loss. And so she hosts a free group and you had to like sign up for it and it was capped at a certain number and she sent on a zoom link and I logged on and there's all these random people <laughs> all these people I think it was like 10 or less on the zoom call <laughs> initially um but it felt intimidating all these people that I didn't know you know that had also had similar experiences and just kind of gave a platform for people to share their story mm-hmm. and we um connected so well the first time that we met that she was hosting that first group as like a free group, we all exchanged Instagram handles, started following each other, started this like group message on Instagram. And I'm pretty sure we've talked to each other daily since that point. And so it's like way early on. I love it. Um, and just being support for each other. And if someone said, Hey, I've got a scan today, like would send good thoughts and vibes and prayers their way. Or, Mm. you know, if somebody had something go wrong or whatever the situation was, um, I do not know how it's possible because we all had, a lot of us had had multiple losses. All of us who got on that call pregnant ended up having the babies that we were pregnant with. Like nobody had another loss super early on in our first trimester when we all connected. Um, so now there, yes, it is super unfortunate. I know that it's rare. Um, but it was just kind of like, uh, I feel like a God or like a divine intervention Mm -hmm. thing to put this group of women together, um, who were so encouraging to each other, people from all over the country. And so now we're in the process of planning a rainbow mama's retreat to like all get together oh. and be in person with our babies. Um, so, so special. Yeah. So special, but 
it was really beneficial having them. And I, we did a couple more Zooms together where we were all able to connect. And most of the time it was just messaging um, that we were able mm. to encourage each other. But I knew that those people I think that the miscarriage, it, having a miscarriage and then being pregnant after loss, both of those, if you fit into either one of those categories can be very isolating. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it is maybe becoming or ha- starting to have less and less of a stigma as people are talking about their losses or talking about their stories. And maybe just because I work in the field that I do, I don't know if everyone else feels that way, but I do think that a lot more people, it feels like are starting to open up about, Hey, this is something that we've walked through and it doesn't have yeah. to be so private. Um, and of course, if someone needs to keep it private and that's how they're going to heal and cope, I totally support mm-hmm. that. But for the people who have the courage to share, I think it really helps others feel less alone. Yeah. Um, so having all these other people who were sharing their experiences with me were helping me feel less alone, like to see that, okay, yeah. one of them is going to their doctor's appointment and they're so nervous. And, okay. And I'm going to my doctor's appointment and I'm so nervous. And so we're both feeling the same thing at the same time. It's, it. really it's really validating. Um, so that was a big thing. I think that pregnancy after loss support group really helped, um, you know, mm-hmm. as I was walking through my pregnancy. So you prioritized community. Yeah. You prioritized your mental health. Were there any other major takeaways for you that either you learned along your journey or that maybe you help clients stay grounded in or whatever? Yeah, uh, that's a really good question. One of the things that just popped to my mind as you were saying that was it with, with, prioritizing mental health. I think that there were so many boundaries that were necessary for me to have for myself during my pregnancy. So, um, whether, whether the boundary was, okay, I'm not going to share with people until the anatomy scan or whether the boundary was, um, I did use a fetal Doppler at home, like to check on the baby. Um, so again, I had pretty regular ultrasounds at least one a month throughout my pregnancy, but on like the months that I wasn't having, or on the weeks that I wasn't having an ultrasound, I would let myself, um, you know, use the Doppler at home. And after like freaking out one time, my husband coming in and finding me like on tears on the floor, like being like, I can't find the baby. And he found, he, I have all this aloe barrel all over my stomach that I'm using as like ultrasound jelly. And he's like, let me help. Let me help. So he used the little Doppler and he found the heartbeat and I was like, okay, she's there. She's good. Mm-hmm. And he was like, you can't do this anymore. He was like, I'm taking your Doppler away. And I was like, no, I was like, I promise I will have boundaries with it. And so I let myself like assigned myself, like Thursdays are my days. Like I can only check once a week on Thursday. I'm allowed to use this. And I was really glad that I gave myself that boundary because it is the heart. I had an anterior placenta, which sometimes it's harder to find a heartbeat whenever the placenta is attached at the front of your belly, because your baby uses that as a punching bag. And so, you know, as baby is moving, sometimes you don't always feel it. And sometimes the heartbeat is like further down in your belly. And so it's a little bit harder sometimes, especially for someone without medical training, because I'm saying I'm at home using this fetal Doppler on my own. Um, so I did have to have boundaries with him only allowed to use that once a week. And I'm really glad that I kind of set that boundary for myself as well. Um, I'm sure that there's some other boundaries that may come to mind eventually, but I, I do think that like with Google, that was the big one. I like, okay, if there were things that were going wrong, I really tried. Um, again, I told you, I said, I, they told me I have a subchronic hematoma and I go home and Google it and 
after that experience, which was pretty early on in the pregnancy, I had messaged my doctor on my patient portal. And I was like, this is what I need to do. I trust this doctor. Dr. Martin is a good doctor. He's guided me this far. You know, I need to ask my doctor if I have questions, I don't need to go to Google because I'm going to find 3 million different. So if you can, I mean, if I think that's the best thing you can do, if you're in the season before your pregnancy after lunch, or even if you're in the middle of your pregnancy, you don't feel supported by your doctor, find a doctor, like switch doctors. It's totally worth it. Finding a doctor that you can trust, um, that you, that, you know, is going to give you the best information. So I started annoying my nursing team. And if I had questions, I was like calling, leaving a message, messaging on the patient portal. Like, Hey, is this normal? Hey, I'm about to go on vacation. Like, is there anything that I need to know before I'm like traveling? And so I was paranoid about wearing my compression socks in the car because I didn't want blood clots and getting out every two hours to walk around and all the things. Cause you know, you feel such a sense of responsibility mm-hmm. that okay, if I do something wrong, then it could affect my pregnancy. And the doctor was again, so encouraging saying like, there's not really anything that you can do to, to mess this up. You know, of course, these are the things that you can do to be preventative, um, or super proactive, but like you taking a five hour road trip is not going to, no. like, your, but of course, when you're in that anxious place you think oh gosh if I don't get out of the car every two hours it's gonna be my fault if something bad happens so I would really recommend instead of going to google finding a trusted health professional and calling them and letting them be your source of wisdom um if you have anxieties that are rising specifically about the medical things that are going on yep and remember doctors work for you Right. I think we have this like white coat intimidation. Like there's some kind of like superior human, like they're super smart, but they work for you. Yeah. And if it's not the right doctor for you, like you're not going to feel comfortable with this doctor guiding you and catching your baby, then you, I think that's a good permission for you to, to offer Layton that like, it's okay to find a new doctor. Mm -hmm. I mean, I am just super thankful that your daughter's here mm-hmm. and that you were able to share with us today, all of your story and the insight that you've learned and just your care and compassion for the clients, um, in middle Tennessee is fantastic. So thank you for being here. Absolutely. So if you are in Tennessee and want to work with Layton, you can go to our website, TennesseeReproductiveTherapy.com. Find us on um, Insta at Tennessee reproductive therapy. Layton and I worked on a pregnancy after loss PDF that's on our website under free resources. If you're going through this and think, well, I'm in the middle of it. I really wish that I had, you know, I said, I offer homework sometimes, but if you're in the middle of your own journey and want to dive a little bit deeper into what we've been talking about today, then go ahead and go over there. We're not going to collect your email or anything. You can just have that print it, use it, uh, distribute it, if you will, with our name still on it, please. Mm-hmm. Right, everybody, Lane, thanks for being here. Everybody listening, thank you for coming back. I hope that you all have a great week and I hope you go out and thrive. Bye, y'all. Mm-hmm.